Today on the show, we go to a funeral and end up starting a rebellion. Welcome to the Brasso Simp Show, where it's all things Brasso all the time. I'm sorry. I mean, welcome to Lore Party. No, that was accurate. The podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes, including Brasso, 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 Brasso. I'm Kevin. You're not Brasso? No. I'm, oh. I'm, I wish I was Brasso. I know. I'm, I'm just I'm just your humble Jaden. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody. Um... We had a lot of stuff going on, so yes. this did take a little bit longer than uh, usual. Let's uh, let's let's what's the list here? We got in a car accident together. For those who don't, we know. did. We both got in a car wreck together. Uh, I didn't hit Jaden. Jaden hit L- me. No, listen, uh, Ke- Kevin decided to come into town to visit me, and I in turn decided to show him a good time by getting into a car accident with him. <laughs> yeah, in the car. we got in a car wreck, um, and then like. Two days later, I got sick, like very sick, uh, which was about a week or so. And I was, we had the holidays. I got, I was still sick on the holidays. Then Jaden got sick and then both our spouses got sick and then we had weddings to go to. And it was like the last three-ish weeks, three to four weeks have been um, a struggle bus. Yeah. But on the bright side, uh, that makes this episode a Christmas episode. Aww, Yay! we got the holiday episode. Yay! I mean, on the date we're recording is technically a Hanukkah episode, yes, I guess. Yes, yes. Um, but and so it's a holiday episode. How about that? There let's, we let's go. Be, it's a light. You know what? No, it's a life day episode. Oh, I like that. Getting it back into Star Wars. It is a this is a, the life day episode of Andor episode twelve, the finale, the. Dear God, this was a long episode finale, but we're going to cover all of it anyway. I promise you this is not going to be as bad as the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh, time will tell. We took took a lot of time uh, focusing on this episode, specifically the synopsis. It's going to be be a lot. It's going to be a lot. So as per usual, we're going to get into it here. Uh, We do that brief synopsis. It's going to be very long here. Just... This episode was really long. It's I think it's one of the longest episodes. Brief in air quotes. It is the longest episode. So this synopsis, we trimmed fat, but we're going to do a lot of spitfire, like rapid fire stuff here. So bear with us. If we miss anything, please feel free to send us a comment to tell us what we missed. And you can do that at podcast at loreparty.com. So please send us your thoughts and episode ideas. You might hear your thoughts and comments on a future episode, which would be pretty cool. And you can find Mr. Jaden here at Mr. Jad J, J-A-D-J-A-Y on Instagram and Twitter if you want to, you know, see his shit posts and also uh, shit post back to him. Uh, the Steelers are almost out of the playoffs, so I'm going to be quiet for a little bit. You can find Kevin at in underscore the underscore loop on Twitter and K underscore loops at Twitch and Instagram. And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. Now, before we dive in, we're going to take a little ad break. So stick around. We will be right back. 
Okay, so before we dive into this episode, this is episode 12. This is the finale of season one of Andor. If you have not watched anything, I have no idea what you're doing here right now. So go do that. You are a fool. Seriously, go go watch that stuff. Go listen to our other episodes because this is super spoiler heavy and it's really good. And I, I wouldn't want you guys to, you know, watch this and get spoiled. This is this is worth the, the journey. It is indeed. Now, again, this is going to be a really, really long synopsis. The quotes are going to be long, too, but the synopsis is going to be pretty long. So hang out, get some water, get a snack, relax, and I'm going to let Jaden start us off. Oh, well, thank you. The finale begins with the creation of a bomb by Salman, Pak's son, and simultaneously the arrival of Daedra to Ferex being accompanied by death troopers. Ferex is super different now. It is under complete Imperial control. Stormtroopers are marching around everywhere. And to top things off, there's a storm brewing. And then after this, we see Bix in her room at the hotel. Not a lavish hotel. This is a shitty hotel. She is under surveillance and clearly psychologically damaged. You can see it, manifestations you know, of it all over her face. And we see the cameras turn to watch her as she just looks up. Deirdre is demanding to walk through the town now undercover. She says, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go undercover and I'm going to yep. see what's going on in the town. I want to I know. Get a feel for the people. I want to know all the entry points and everything. She wants. She has a whole plan set in motion. She needs to see everything for herself. We cut back to the bomb, the explosion that will shake everything being constructed. We then cut to Brasso. He's seen talking to Zan about how Zan told Cassian about Marva's death and the funeral, which was very interesting. Except now we see Nurchi, who Cassian owed money to, he overhears them talking, which is probably not great. We already know he's kind of a scumbag, so this will be interesting where that goes. Yeah. We then go to a quick montage of Salman building the bomb. This whole time he's building the bomb. So we see him building the bomb. We see Deirdre walking through the town being followed by Cinta, and then we end up at the bar where Zan and Nurchi are talking about Cassian. And Nurchi's getting Zan drunk and making him feel bad for Cassian, you know, like, oh, it sucks that Brasso's going to be the one to to do the whole thing with the brick lane of his mom, and wouldn't it feel bad? Oh, it, it's he's, he's kind of like poking at him, getting him a little drunk, and he's trying to get information out of him. As this scene ends, we see Salman finishing the bomb while looking at a hologram of his father. So remember back, uh, this was a couple episodes back, they hung his father. Yep. Which is very similar to what they did to Cassian's father. And clearly both of them thought, hey, let's uh, let's get some revenge here. Although he is, his method of revenge seems a lot more refined than Cassie's just running it, punching at stormtroopers. <laughs> I'm not complaining about revenge right now. I mean, revenge usually, you no. know, you say revenge doesn't get you any further. Revenge will not make you feel better. And okay, we'll go with that. Sure. If we want to take the high road, sure, whatever. <laughs> high road is boring. We cut back to Mon Mothma. She's sitting in a vehicle as her driver and husband are returning from a party. Now this sequence was very interesting. She asks the driver for privacy, but she is fully aware that the driver is like a spy listening in on her. So he turns off the screen and, you know, gives them like privacy, but he's totally still listening in. And she 
pulls one of the coolest sequences that Mon Mothma pulls for the entire show. It's great. She calls him out for gambling again. And he's like, he's blindsided. He's like, I, what do you mean? I'm not gambling anymore. And because she spent the last, like, whatever year amount of time complaining about him constantly, the driver has no, like, believes, oh, wow, this guy's gambling. Yep. That's something yep. we need to, that's interesting. Let me write that down. She goes, I don't even know where you got the money from. And it's like, oh, in one move, she has explained away where the money's been going. These secret yeah. accounts that have been set up can totally be blamed on her husband. She's covering her tracks. It's awesome. And the cool thing, too, is she's not only being able to use that as a reason for the missing money and stuff like that, but this is also another way that she can verify that her driver is a spy. Because if it hits any news outlets, then she's like, oh, that's how they knew. Because she knows it's a lie. Yep. That's how she knows that, okay, yeah, he is a spy. I mean, she has suspicion, sure. But now she can confirm it. Exactly. Next, we see Cinta and Vel in an apartment hideout. This is where Cinta has been living probably for the last couple of weeks. And Vel seems to be upset that Cinta hasn't had much contact. Cinta explains mm. that Daedra has arrived and she's been tailing them. Clearly, Cinta is very into the mission. And she's like, yeah, all right, I get it. We had a fight. I get you want to talk and all that. But like, I have a, a job to do. I, I'm working right now. It's very interesting to see their relationship because it's clear that Vel, uh, you know, she originally is committed to the rebellion, but I think that Cinta, you got to look back at like the first episode of the Citrus introduced. Uh, I, I think it might have been Nemec said that Cinta's is the most fervent rebel of the group. And it's this is showing here yeah. because like yep. someone said to her, hey, you and Cinta's can run off together and never be seen again. You can live in, you know, away from the Empire in peace. Vel would jump at the chance. I don't think Cinta's would even hesitate to oh, say totally, no. She would totally. instantly be like, this doesn't help me kill Imperials. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing this. Exactly. And Cinta knows that the Imperials that are on Ferex, they're about to make their move. And Vel asks her to just come away from the window. Take a break. Relax. There's nothing they can do but be with each other. Yes. Cinta actually listens at this point. She says, okay, fine. We then cut to the dead of night, and Cassian Andor has finally returned to Ferex. And he actually is wandering around the streets, and he finds a brick covered up by plants. We know the significance of this because we've been told that the bricks are former important members of Ferex. This brick just happens to be the brick of his father, Clem. He remembers something that Clem tells him, and we get a flashback of them cleaning old parts which you wrote down, they're actually CPU coolers, which at, continuing the tradition of using random shit and making it Star Wars material, cough, cough, women's razor <laughs> yeah, blade being that. a cell phone, cough, cough. Yeah. I instantly saw it and I was like, hey, how much did that cost them? Because CPUs right now are pretty pricey and uh, everything's going down, but a cooler could, <laughs> you know, it was a radiator cooler too. It was like an air cool. I was like, oh damn, okay. Scavenged it from the servers at Lucasfilm. <laughs> He then decides that he's going to go make his way to check in on Bix. And when he gets there, he's met by Pegla, the guy who owns the like shipyard kind of area. They embrace and they talk about what happened to Bix and everyone else. And then as they're talking, we see Bix just kind of sitting there in the hotel. Obviously, Andor can't just go rushing in to save her at this moment in time. He actually goes back to uh, 
Marva's old ship in the junkyard, and he's listening to Namek's manifesto. And we get a montage of Bix and then Luthen on Ferrix. And we see Cassian on the ship. You know, he's he's just chilling. And we we basically were setting up the stage for all the characters to be in place. You know, the, this this show started with these three characters. And very clearly, it is going to end with these three characters. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Right, George Lucas? Oh, Daedra is being briefed on how the ISB is being lax on security to make it easier for Cassian to enter Ferrix and get caught. They're analyzing Rick's road and where they will have pretty much people available. This is the next day, and Daedra's really, really annoyed at all the officers there. Um, yep. Because they're just ready to kill Cassian. They're like, yeah, we got snipers, we're going to do this. And she's like, whoa, no snipers. Chill. We need him alive. And clearly these guys just want a massacre and, and pretty much just for fun. These are the officers, same officer who said, oh, I'd like to hang him. You know, uh, th- that that mentality is 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 really dangerous here. Not just obviously it's fascist pieces of crap, but it's also like there's no planning involved. You're going to ruin your plan. You're going to just make things worse for yourself as well. And she sees that. Yep. She the, well these these guys are these guys are thinking short term. They're thinking I kill terrorist, I get promotion. Terrorist in air quotes. Yeah. Well, in their minds he is. Yeah. Uh but in the bigger picture she says no, I want to kill all the terrorists and I need this guy to get to them. Yeah. She wants him alive and clearly these guys just want a massacre. To her it's a very precise operation. And as stormtroopers and other Imperials are kind of setting up around there, going through the city, we see all of them walking around. We see her pointing around. Every, everybody's just kind of like mm-hmm. planning stuff. We see Vel just walking around in local garb. So back on Coruscant, we actually get the confirmation that we always believed from the beginning of the show. Uh, Officer Blevin is reiterating what Cloris overheard in Mon Mothma's car. She was right. We were right. He's an ISB agent. Yep. And she was also correct that they were aware of her odd banking maneuvers. They, so they so they were on to her. They she they knew they that knew. she had they're like, well, that, hmm, that explains the four hundred thousand dollar credits that or four hundred thousand credits. And it's like I think they bought it. I really do. They're like, all right, we're just gonna keep watching this. Oh, totally. Because if anything, they they mark it down as like maybe this is something we can use against her. Exactly. They could even present it to her next season and be like, hey, we know your husband's been doing this, and she could be like, I'm shocked, shocked, you say. Exactly. But then that's the thing. They they just took her bait. You know, oh, they yeah. fell for her trap. They they're like they screwed up. They're so pompous and full of themselves. Just like Luthen said that they're like, ooh, we got her, we got her, and it's like, eh. That's really not that big of a deal. Okay, her husband has a gambling problem. <laughs> like, that's it, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So just as they're saying, you know, keep a listen to and, and keep paying attention to what she says, they're interrupted by another officer saying that, you know, it happened. They finally destroyed Anto Krieger. Obliterated him completely. Yep. They just wiped everybody out. They're all gone. The entire rebel garrison 50 men, right? Yeah, 50 men. Plus Krieger. <laughs> Plus Krieger. <laughs> Deidre is obviously not happy. Uh, she sees it as, you know, almost like their ambition 
to look powerful is just going to backfire, which she is correct, in yep. my opinion. Zhang is seen there amongst them, shooting the shit about the whole thing. You know, he's there. And when she complains, she's told by her higher ups, just find Axis. That's all they want. They're, they're just find Axis. Luthen walks out of his ship and he climbs aboard a speeder. This time he decided to fly into town as opposed to taking public transportation. Uh, mm-hmm. He's wearing a pretty freaking cool cloak, too. Dude, he looks like a badass. Yeah. The ISB officer that has been in town for, like, ever is watching Brasso now. Like, he switched from Marva to then Brasso, like, just looking for the connections. Mm-hmm. Brasso is obviously aware that he's being watched. I think everyone oh, in yeah. town knows each other, and this person, you know, who just got here is clearly sticking out like a sore thumb. Yep. They see Brasso go into his house, right? And then comes out of the house is B2Emo and who we they think is Brasso, but it's very clearly someone who just dressed up like him. Yeah. And that sends the ISB into a panic. Yeah, they start realizing, wait a minute, something's wrong. He's it's not him. We've like they know, they know. Like they're aware. Because they've been tailing him, especially with a the funeral. They know he's Cassian's like best friend. Yep. They've been tailing him. And now that it wasn't him that came out of like his house, it's like, wait a minute. Something's up. What the fuck? We now see Cassian is actually waiting for Brasso in the sewers with Pegla on yes. lookout. And they embrace, you know, it's been probably what five or six months since they've seen each other. It's been a it's been a, it's been a bit. Yeah. Cassian starts stating all of his regrets while Brasso kind of tells him, like, hey, stop. He starts consoling him about Marva everything that's happened. And Brasso clearly doesn't blame Cassian for any of it. Um, I don't think anybody really blames him. I think they all kind of feel bad for him because he has to deal with the majority of this shit. They're just getting the rest of it. Brasso, he understands Cassian is a good man. He fills Cassian in on kind of what's been going on with Bix and thinks Cassian is nuts for trying to fight all of them. We'll get into that in the quotes. Yep. So Karn and our buddy, the good old sergeant, are on a transport. The same transport that Luthen was on. So they both, they cl- they, they clearly flew coach. <laughs> Public transit. Yeah. And they're, they're both wearing civilian clothes because they're both civilians, but they're wearing like more inconspicuous garb. And in fact, uh, Sarge even offers Karn his hat and they like swaps. <laughs> they swap hats and they put them on in unison. Like they're, it's funny. They're doing like, like they're. They're both playing covert op mission, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the exact opposite of what they did before. They are unannounced, unnoticed, no show of force. They are sneaking into town. Yeah. The town that ruined their lives. (laughs) Yeah. And also, I just think it's really cool to think of that, like, stark contrast, you know? Like, first three episodes, we see these guys, heavily militarized police, pretty much security guards, going in with these giant drop ships and and a group of guys and weapons and they're going in and we're gonna we're gonna teach this guy a lesson and then now it's just they're sitting in public transit just like luthan did just chilling and they just like oh hey you don't have a hat here and gives him a hat and then pulls out yep. another one. like it's just i don't know i just thought it was really like how prepared are you you didn't have a hat oh, yeah. here here here's another one you know what i mean like it just it's so interesting so after this cassian is sneaking around in the building where Pegla was looking through, he goes into a tower that's attached. And Nurchi is sneaking about 
he notices him leaving the area and he decides to kind of look up at the tower and he kind of realizes like, aha, yep. there it is. That's where that's where he's hiding. As stormtroopers start walking down the street, we see Vel sitting and being met by Luthen. They discuss how nobody knows if Cassian has arrived, but everyone seems to think he's here. Luthen thinks the ISB being here is actually good because they can do all the hunting for them. All they have to do is get him, you know, flush him out so they can kill him. She says the hotel is where they will take him, so Luthen decides that's their target. She tells him they have a couple of hours until the anvil starts. He then orders Vel to tell Cinta to stop watching Marva's house. Don't need to go there anymore. We're already wrapped up. Yeah. Just when he says he will have a look around, Hammer Guy starts going ahead and hammering on his anvil. It looks like they're starting early. Yep. The ISB is very confused. Cassian awaits the start of the funeral procession. He just kind of hangs out in the tower. As the bands start organizing, we see these local bands, you know, for a parade. That's pretty much what it is. It's a parade. Twitter was so happy. I got to say this. Twitter was so happy because marching bands are now canon in Star Wars. <laughs> yes. And yep. It, someone said that, which means that band geeks exist in Star Wars, which is very funny to me. There you go. My wife was a band geek, so, you know, there you go. I'll, I'll, I, she she hasn't seen it yet. I want her to see it because I really want her to see this now. And she'll probably be the person who's like, that's a flute. That's a French horn. Like, she'll, she'll figure it out, you know? Absolutely. We get a great montage of the bands and everyone else in the in the funeral procession. They're all getting ready. And we see Luthen kind of walking around and, like, looking around. And Cassian, we see him waiting again. And then we see Karn and Sarge walking around. And then we see the ISB still running around in a panic. Everybody else is very calm, but the ISB is like, what's going on? What are we doing? What, what do we have? Ah, they start freaking out. Which, remember that line from a previous episode, power doesn't panic. Oh, just wait. We're not even there yet. No, we're not. When the music starts, Salman actually joins the group walking, and he kind of blends in. And so does the ISB agent starts following and it's and then right behind him Cinta it's like there's just like a little little parade it's like that meme you've seen where like the people holding guns to each other yeah the uh Spider-Man one yeah it's like, like oh, the, th these people don't know I'm a spy <laughs> uh Vel is actually in a panic trying to find her the ISB officers under Daedra decide to ignore all of her orders and decide to show force immediately which jeez are you surprised? I'm not. No, it's because their their job is to preserve this system, and they think that this is a direct threat to their authority. They're also very ambitious, and they see show of force as the only way to yep. control. And, and it's just, it's clearly, I mean, it's very in your face, like, obviously, like, that's not smart, but, you know, they think they're powerful. Mm -hmm. So now multiple bands and groups from across the town, they're coming together in the square while... The ISB is just one group. We see multiple groups coming together. It's kind of really cool to see this as like a representation of what's to come. You know, the rebellion, all these different groups organizing, following, you know, each other into one full unit. And together, they are way bigger than uh, any of these Imperial groups. And that's what I thought was really cool with this whole kind of uh, overhead shots and all this other stuff, showing these smaller groups becoming one giant one. Because the smaller groups would not really fare very well, if you would, you know, in size, comparison mm -hmm. to all of them. It's, it's, it's really cool to see. 
Cassian's watching everything as well as noticing Luthen. He can tell something is up. He sees him and is like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. And he's not the only one. That, no, he's not. You know, is up to something. <laughs> so Nurchi meets up with the undercover officer and he says he wants the reward doubled plus a ride off of Ferrix. <laughs> and the guy's like, sure, whatever. Just give me your info. And the guy goes, you have to, you have to arrest me. What? You have to arrest me. So they get into a fake scuffle and he's like, all right, I'm going to arrest this man. And he starts bringing him over to the ISB headquarters. And Cinta's watching this whole thing. She's like, all right, well, that guy's very clearly the spy. Like she knew he was the spy this whole time, but it was like, you know, this was hundred percent confirmation. Oh, totally. And now Karn and Moss are walking through the crowd and they walk right past Luthen, who does notice both of them. Well, he yeah. sees them and instantly recognizes them. And I believe Karn briefly looks at Luthen, but what's really funny is he said he saw his face to Deirdre episodes ago. And guess what? You didn't realize it was Luthen. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that says. I, I think he saw Cassian's face. I don't know if he saw Luthen's face. True. But at the same time, like though these guys are these guys are not covert ops agents. Like Luthen oh, yeah, is very totally, clearly a covert totally. guy. But these guys Definitely. are are plain clothes officers. It's like when you see someone, you're like, you're clearly an undercover cop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everyone now is arriving at the square. Daedra and her officers are arguing about what to do with the intel on where Cassian is. She wants to keep him alive, but everyone else just, you know, they want a bloodbath. She shows why she is the ISB agent, and they are not. She clearly is like, in charge and is like stop and she decides like they need to like calm down and wait for her they keep saying oh we're wasting time and she she's like we are wasting time with you guys arguing on what to do with the Cassian info we need to go now and they're just like well what if we, we need to get our snipers ready and they're just very very into killing this guy and it's like holy shit I've told you multiple times, stop. She's so pissed. And it's great to see her being really frustrated because nobody will listen to her. Yep. The procession kind of reaches like the the square or as far as they can go into Rick's road with the Imperials watching. And Brasso actually comes towards the head of the procession holding the brick made of Marva along with B2 EMO. The wind blows by Cassian and he has a strange feeling that something is off. We see Bix again listening to the music, and she's actually singing along with the rest of the procession. Daedra is on her way to Cassian as Karn notices, but is stopped when he tries to follow. Luthen notices everything because, well, he's Luthen. Yeah, I thought it was so funny. Luthen's just sitting there watching Karn get pushed back. He's watching Daedra. He's watching everything happening, and he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. He's just, like, taking it all, and it's really funny. Brasso and B then stop. And when they stop, all of the music stops. And everyone just stares forward. Bituimo gives off a little beep, and then the music starts again, this time faster. And everyone now together begins walking toward the square, toward the Empire, because that's where they're at. We see this great overhead shot of the whole town city, if you will. And we see now all those small little groups form together in one giant group and just start marching. 
as they climb the tower to get Cassian, the underlings are pissed. There's like, no, there's no way. She's wasting time. He's definitely not here. Which, they're right. He's not. He was there. He's escaped. He's gone back into the sewers. But they don't know that. We cut back to Brasso and B, and they stop, and they are encircled by everyone. Everyone begins chanting stone and sky, which is their mantra whenever someone's being returned to the sky, but also being placed here on the ground as a part of the community. Cassian is actually sneaking into the hotel, and he gets into the hotel's kitchen, and uh, someone else he knows, Tenek, runs into him. Once again, Cassian knows everyone on this freaking planet. There you go. And Tenek's even like, hey, I'm sorry about your mom, man. He's like, oh, dude, thanks. I appreciate it. Hey, where's Bix? Like, oh, yeah, that way. <laughs> B2 Emo plays a giant hologram of Marva. I am not going to say the whole quote yet. Yep. But clearly this was recorded within the last couple of weeks. She's still sick. You can tell. Mm-hmm. As the epic speech is played, we get a montage again. But this time of people watching her and Cassian as he infiltrates the hotel. Barely anybody is at the hotel and he is just easily able to get in with no trouble. Everybody is focused on the square. Yeah, they're all focusing on quelling the riot. They're looking for him out there. They weren't expecting him in here. Exactly. As Daedra leaves the area, her officers clearly look angry because they see that she was too late. So Brasso and Zan kind of exchange looks at each other because they see everything that's going on. Something's up. We see Nurchi listening, now looking like he kind of realizes what he's done. He's just alone with two Imperials and kind of starts to feel a little shitty because he's listening to the whole speech and he's like, oh, maybe I'm the asshole. While the Imperial officers that Daedra worked with They're just kind of looking through multiple windows trying to find Cassian. Clearly, they're looking up for a reason because they think Cassian is somewhere. They saw he was in one tower, so now they're looking around windows and stuff trying to see him. Cassian finds his way to a clearing in the building close to where Deidre was earlier, like, you know, where she was looking out at the square. He sees Marva's hologram and the crowd, and he kind of, like, stands there for a brief second and kind of just looks... And when Marva's speech goes to the point where she starts going off on the Empire, we see a really cool close-up of everyone's reaction. Most particularly, Luthen. Luthen is now realizing kind of where Cassian comes from, the upbringing he had, (laughs) uh, the people, you know, he's a part of. He sees all these people and stuff, and kind of how they view the Empire. This might be the first time in history that listing your mom as a reference on your resume has paid off. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, that's great. His mom is a great reference. Yeah. Marva gets to a point in her speech where she says, it may be too late, and everyone kind of looks really sad and defeated because, you know, she's gone. And then she says, uh, she begins the part of her speech where she says, I'll tell you this, and they all look up. And you see the hope in their eyes. The fire has been ignited. As Daedra's officer storms his way towards Brasso and B2 Emo, he actually throws his jacket over B because he's trying to disrupt the hologram because he realizes how dangerous her words are becoming. Clearly, this guy knows how to read a, a room slash crowd. Yeah, they're getting uh. ready. They are. It's some anti-imperialist shits going on. When he does this, everyone starts screaming at him as he yells the word, Enough! He, like, freaks out. 
He tosses B2 Emo over, by the way, which was, <laughs> oh, I got mad. And without a second thought, Brasso runs over and drop kicks him to the ground. Absolutely. Brasso gets surrounded and he just tosses all these dudes grabbing him. And then he runs up to one of them and he just smashes him over the head with Marva. And then he just looks out at everybody and screams. And I'm like, oh my God. I have seen that clip so many times of him. Like, I was like, hey, look, Marva got to fight the Empire after all. It was great. Obviously, this is an indication that the people of Ferrix are ready. Now, this is quite literally when all hell breaks loose. So we're going to go a little quick. All hell breaks loose. Yeah, this is going to go fast. Yeah, we're going to go a little quick with this one because it is a lot of shit happens. All right, so let's start off. Cassian kills a guard in the hotel. Everyone outside is rioting and pushing the Imperials back. The Imperials have moved up with their shields. The officer who Brasso like dropped is crawling through the crowd to try to get to the other side. And the people are like noticing and like grabbing at him. One guy yep. breaks through the shields and the Imperials kill him by smashing him on the head. And then they proceed to like step on him. Hammer guy starts hammering on his anvil. Like he's the the signal to keep to like keep going. Like he's building him up. And it's crazy. Yeah, almost kind of like the ultimate intimidation tactic, like how everyone was beginning to like smash on pieces of metal in yeah, the other episodes. The He's banging on the ultimate piece there, you know? Absolutely. While all this is happening, Cassian finally finds Bix. The crowd's still fighting. People are being smashed in the head and tased. And Salmon makes eye contact with the other officer as the stormtroopers are taking people captive. Nurchi walks over to the window and he's like trying to watch everything that's going on. Yep. He's realizing he picked the wrong side. <laughs> he's also curious. He's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, he's on? like, what is going on out there? Bix is scared to leave. She doesn't want to make the Imperials more angry and get tortured again. Daedra starts walking back after searching the other buildings and she's like, what the hell is happening? Yeah. And she starts trying to make her way through the crowd and Karn instantly sees her. He's like, oh, wait, that's my lady. That's my lady that I have a weird relationship with. And all of a sudden, Salmon, weird relationship. I don't oh know what God. to call it, man. <laughs> uh, it's <laughs> uncomfortable is what I call it. I'll take that. And after this, Salmon takes the bomb out of his bag and arms it in full view of the officer he made eye contact with earlier. And Daedra is trying to leave, but the crowd then grabs her. All of a sudden, Salmon screams and just throws the bomb. Karn sees this and just instantly starts running right into the crowd to try to save her. Yep. And then the bomb goes off. It topples one of the Imperial vehicles, sends it flying, and blows up the area where Nurtu was watching. We see debris falling and stuff starts smashing into him and he goes flying. He's done. All of the charges and ammunition that were sitting there also go off. All the bombs and grenades that they were getting ready to use just in case they needed to, uh, in case a riot broke out. I mean, though, they get they get used just against them. It like starts a chain reaction. The smallest act lights a fire, just like we've seen in other rebellion episodes. This might as well be just a fucking war zone now, because everything's just exploding. Luthen gets out of there instantly. Obviously, it's Luthen. He knows what to do. Keeps calm in a crazy situation. People are screaming 
as we now see Vel running into the fight. Smoke is everywhere. Visibility is low. But the officer that saw Salman sees him and yells to go get him. And the other officer yells, open fire, fire at will. The one who got his ass kicked, the one who wanted to hang his father, the one who was an absolute garbage person who threw B2 Emo. This guy is like, open fire, fire at will. So stormtroopers just start openly killing Ferric citizens, you know. And guess what, guys? Even though they're stormtroopers, they don't miss. Yep. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise, as Obi-Wan said. Two stormtroopers are actually starting to corner Salmon, and they're beating him. Brasso shows up and starts fighting. <laughs> he headbutts one of the guards, and the other one grabs Salmon. As a stormtrooper goes to kill an elderly lady, Zan then jumps on him to try to save her, and then he's shot and killed. B2 Emo is just watching everything happening, and he's still on the ground, and he just kind of whimpers. Senta follows the agent that she's been following for weeks, lures him into a building entrance, and just stabs him. Just, just... Stabs very, him with a knife. Game of Thrones end for that character. I loved it. I loved it. The Empire begins escalating, and they start using much more heavy artillery to take the civilians out. Within the escalated chaos, Daedra gets hit in the head. She pulled her pistol to like you know tell people to get back, and she gets yep. nailed. And then people start boom grabbing her and trampling her. And I, God, so many people were texting me like, "I wish nothing more than for her to get ripped to shreds." And I'm like, "I know." Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now we see Hammer Guy again, banging on his hammer. We see a stormtrooper climbing up the tower, pretty much to shut him up. He turns around and just screams and drop kicks the guy, and the guy <laughs> just fucking falls, and it's great. Oh, it's awesome. And then all of a sudden, we see a mysterious person grab Deidre from the crowd, grab her gun, and then they lead her into a back room, kind of, of, of somewhere. And now we see it's Karn. Clearly, she is in shock, and she's kind of like a mess honestly she almost died she's yep. freaking out and he's actually kind of calm which is very interesting because he wasn't, he wasn't calm, calm in in the last time he was on ferrex but now he is pretty calm well which to me almost says that i you know it's it's the it's that old that, that james franco meme like first time <laughs> Yeah, like yeah, this is your first yeah. time being on Ferrex, getting your ass kicked. This is my second time. Thank you very much. I, <laughs> I'm used to it. Yeah, right. He just kind of lets her be, and is just like, "Yeah, I'll let you calm down." Luthen, having watched all of this happen, he seems to be kind of in mourning. Cinta and Vel are breaking down everything in the apartment, and while this is happening, Pegla and Brasso are fueling up a ship with Salman and one of the daughters of Ferrex, Jez. Cassian and Bix make their way to the ship, and Cassian instructs Jez where to go and tells B2 EMO that he will meet them there. B2 does not want him to leave. He's like, well, no, you're no. coming with us. Yeah. And Bix even says, hey, don't worry. He's going to find us. He always does. And before the last scene, we get a montage one more time of everyone from this season. We see their ship escaping. We see Mon Mothma with her family introducing her daughter to the son of Skulden. We see Karn's partner in crime just sitting in an alleyway drinking, looking depressed. Sarge is not happy. I think Sarge may have turned uh, sides. I think he has seen now the damage the Empire has done. We'll see. And finally, we see Luthen make it back to his ship. You know, after a long, hard day of rebelling, he just wants to put his wig back on, kick up his feet, have a cup of calf. <laughs> but he can't because Cassian 
has followed him. Actually, technically, he got to the ship first. Yeah. He confronts Luthen and he says, I know you want to kill me. He asks, what's next? Luthen picks up his weapon and Cassian looks at him and says, kill me or take me in. And that's when we get a, a, a rare smile from the real form of Luthen. But wait, there's more. We have an after credits scene. Yes. Where we see droids in the vastness of space building something. Then we see a very familiar part that they're using. And we saw that part being built in a certain prison. Uh, The part's being used. We pan out and we see that Cassian Andor, Melshi, and everyone else in the prison were constructing the Death Star. Dun, dun, dun. And then we immediately cut to black. And with that, we're going to take a quick break, get some water ourselves, and we'll be right back. All right, we are back. Overall thoughts on the episode. Um, I'll let Jaden go first. I think that this episode was a stellar end to an incredible series. I think that the pacing of it was amazing. Uh, the culmination of all these characters ending where they began. I know that I made the joke earlier, but it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> I, I, it's everything that I wanted from this season ended up happening. And I'm very glad that we're getting a second one. Um, I, I do think, unfortunately, I from what I've read, it's going to be kind of faster paced in the second season because they're going to do like every year is a year leading up to they're going to have like I think three or four arcs uh, to then tell the final story being leading up right before Rogue One which I think sucks because I would have liked to have had two or three or four or five more seasons of a show like this Yeah, but I also think that the, the this is just an incredible start to an incredible show yeah I don't really have anything negative to say about this episode no. I, I have something negative to say I wanted Daedra to die and she didn't Whoa, okay. All right, all right. Uh, I think that the pacing was good. I really liked the pacing. I really liked the subtleties of the whole, like, power doesn't panic thing. Like, we saw all of them panic. So, (laughs) clearly, uh, they're not that powerful. Again, I liked the whole thing of the different sections of the parade meeting up into one giant section kind of reminiscent of what's going to happen later on in the future with the rebellion yep i thought those kinds of themes of coming together against fascism were great if you haven't noticed yet fuck fascism that's what star <laughs> wars kind of is about yeah that's, that's uh, part that's of been it. a yeah. theme for a while now it is a theme yeah people yeah. people seem to forget that but it's really funny that that it's like you're still not getting it all right, I have one negative thing. Yeah? B2Emo was thrown on the ground. That's some bullshit. That was you leave mean. my homie alone, okay? Yep. I love this droid. Brasso was the best thing about the whole episode. That guy is, I'm a simp. Thank you very much. I will simp Brasso. I hope he survives forever, and I want him to be in more things. Yeah, overall, I thought it was great. I, I had a blast watching it, and so did everybody else, apparently, who was in it. Um... I felt it felt nice to see people get their comeuppance, if that mm-hmm. makes any any sense. It did feel like, you know, the good guys won in the end. 
But did they? So many people got hurt. And that's yeah. the other thing is like our heroes, if you will, won in the end. But did they? Because their friends, their family, we did lose some of them. Like it's not war sucks, man. Yep. And I think this this showed it pretty well. And we have some crazy quotes in this, some really long quotes. I think we should get into it now. All right. I think the first one we should talk about is uh, when they're when they're gossiping. Have Brasso place her stone? Just breaks your heart, right? This is a great quote because it just shows the intricacies of the community. You know, yep. very clearly, he should be the one. Cassian should be the one to place the stone. Yeah. Yeah. I love the little bits we get about Ferrix, man. Like Ferrix is is such a such a unique and cool planet. And that's another thing I think, not just about this episode, but the series I liked was showing the down to I don't want to say down to earth, but down to planet, whatever they're on. Yeah. It just shows the the more intricacies of the society. I know we've talked about this a couple times, but I love seeing one planet and all these kind of facets of their culture it's so much fun to see like oh wow this planet has this thing that they do and this planet does this thing and it's i love star wars like i love jedi i love that stuff like it's so cool but there's so much more than space wizards man like this has been so much fun to see more about how the world works it's refreshing the other quote that we got that i loved was the one from clem it says here's the thing cassian The man who sees everything is more blessed than cursed. People don't look down where they should. They don't look down. They don't look past the rust. Not us, though, eh? Eyes open. Possibilities everywhere. I mean, that just speaks to Cassian as a person, I think. Honestly, he took that message to heart. Oh, totally. I mean, when he infiltrates, you know? Like, he sees everything. He sees the stuff that people don't want to see because they ignore it. You know, he sees he sees the patterns. He recognizes the obstacles that people avoid or don't avoid. He's like, okay, this is how I can get in and get out without being seen because no one's going to look in that spot that I'm getting out of. He sees the value in the little things. He yes. understands how everything can add up to something else. When he infiltrates the Imperials, he's looking around at every little detail and intricacy so he can fit in. As a spy, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. People don't look past the rust, right? Like He's like, okay, fine. What can I find that's a, 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 a tidbit that I could know that would make me blend in more? Like, there's, there's a lot to this teaching, this one little teaching. And then it also shows also, you know, like, <laughs> they are the rust. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm the poor guy yep. who nobody would ever, you know, they would never think that I would be spitting in their food, sharing their, you know house their bathroom there that what he says to luthan it's kind of the same thing now the next quote is from nemec's manifesto this thing i want i want more of it i'm just going to say it before i even say the quote i want a full-blown manifesto like give it to me i'll read the whole thing it's brilliant it's very interesting to analyze as well so the quote goes There will be times when the struggle seems impossible. I know this already. Alone, unsure, dwarfed by the scale of the enemy. Remember this. Freedom is a pure idea. It occurs spontaneously and without instruction. Random acts of insurrection are occurring constantly throughout the galaxy. 
There are whole armies, battalions, that have no idea that they've already enlisted in the cause. Remember that the frontier of the rebellion is everywhere, and even the smallest act of insurrection pushes our lines forward. And then remember this. The imperial need for control is so desperate because it is so unnatural. Tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks. It leaks. Authority is brittle. Oppression is the mask of fear. Remember that. And know this. The day will come when all these skirmishes and battles, these moments of defiance, will have flooded the banks of the empire's authority. And then there will be one too many. One single thing will break the siege. Remember this. Try. All of that, all of that is pretty much happens right there in the episode at the end. The one single thing that will break the siege. Boom, we got everybody coming together, fucking these Imperials up. Nimic's political science degree paid off. Oh, totally. Oh, (laughs) I mean, I could analyze this whole thing line for line. It's I know you could, and you did. Uh, You sent me a whole big text about it. (laughs) I mean... It's brilliant. I don't know who wrote this. Like, I don't know which writer wrote this, but I, you, somebody studied poli-sci. Like, this is, it's so good. The tyranny requires constant effort. It breaks, it leaks. Authority is brittle. Like, what happens at the end of this? These guys are freaking the fuck out. They break. The only thing they know is, oh, oppression. It's the mask of fear because they're terrified of these citizens uprising. I mean, this is, this whole thing is just brilliant. Give me an entire novel of this, please. (laughs) I'm so surprised that they haven't announced that's going to be a new Christmas item or something. Oh, I would have bought it like day of. I also think the, the last part, remember this try, is so like yoda oh yeah he would be very upset because you know it's not it's do or do not there is no try sir i found that really interesting also this kind of i would say kind of uh mirrors uh marva's speech as well it's a really nice uh compliment absolutely another great quote we have not to push past this but i feel like we got to otherwise we're going to talk about this quote forever so we're going to jump in with it with a smaller one which was uh today was about wiping the taste of aldani from the emperor's mouth I freaking love this because it's very clearly like this was uh, they're just trying to to keep the emperor happy. They're just trying to keep keep moving, keep showing that the ISB has everything under control when they clearly do not. I find that interesting. I'm curious what you think of that, because does that mean that the ISB is just not really doing their job or is their job to just keep the emperor happy? I mean, I think that's that's the job of everyone in the empire you keep the true, man at the top happy and i think that they it's very much what have you done for me lately much like any other big corporation you know they need these flashy splashy headlines to to show because this is like hey we killed an entire garrison and honestly it wouldn't shock me if they blamed krieger's group for the heist in propaganda Because that's easier for them to do than to say, oh, we lost 50 million credits. Like, hey, we not only did we get that those credits back, but we fucking killed everyone who took them. Ooh, that's aren't we great? Man, are we talking about somebody missing some credits? Uh, I guess it's really not Lon Mothma. No. (laughs) 
So the next quote is Brasso in the sewers with Cassian. He tells him what Marva said to tell Cassian, basically. He tells Cassian, interrupts him and says, Tell him none of this was his fault. It was already burning. He's just the first spark of the fire. Tell him he knows everything he needs to know and feels everything he needs to feel. And when the day comes and those two pull together, he will be an unstoppable force for good. Tell him I love him more than anything he could ever do wrong. Oh, that's so sad. Tell him I love him more than anything he could ever yep. do wrong. Yep. And I think it's cool that she sees that it's not just like she wants him to not take the burden of everything. She's like, look, yeah, you're just part of the puzzle and it's okay. And just I, I, I like that she told Brasso this because I, I never thought Brasso blamed Cassian for anything, but I definitely think this made Brasso have more respect towards Cassian. Yep. Um, I, 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 I love this quote. I think it's the last dying wish and letter, if you will, of a mother to her son. I agree. Also, he then he also looks at him. He looks at Cassie and he says, you're going to take on a full garrison? And it's like Cassie just kind of looks at him and it's just like, <laughs> well, he already has. Yeah, he's like, I already done it. I already done it once before. <laughs> All right, now we got to talk about the big, the big one. Marva's speech. Which is a long one, but it's fucking... We, we had to include it in its entirety because it's amazing. It's so good. She says, My name is Marva Karasi Andor. I'm honored to stand before you. I'm honored to be a daughter of Ferex and honored to be worthy of the stone. Strange. I feel as if I can see it. I was six, I think. First time I touched a funerary stone. Heard our music. Felt our history holding my sister's hand as we walked all the way from Fountain Square. Where you stand now, I've been more times than I can remember. I always wanted to be lifted. I was always eager, always waiting to be inspired. I remember every time it happened. Every time the dead lifted me with their truth. And now I'm dead. And I yearn to lift you. Not because I want to shine or even be remembered. It's because I want you to go on. I want Ferrix to continue. In my waning hours, that's what comforts me most. But I fear for you. We've been sleeping. We've had each other and Ferrix, our work, our days. We had each other and they left us alone. We kept the trade lanes open. They left us alone. We took their money and ignored them. We kept their engines churning. And the moment they pull away, we forgot them. Because we had each other. We had Ferrix. But we were sleeping. I've been sleeping. I've been turning away from the truth I wanted not to face. There is a wound that won't heal at the center of the galaxy. There is a darkness reaching like rust into everything around us. We let it grow. And now it's here. It's here and not visiting anymore. It wants to stay. The Empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. It is never more alive than when we sleep. It's easy for the dead to tell you to fight. And maybe it's true. 
Maybe fighting is useless. Perhaps it's too late. But I tell you this, if I could do it again, I'd wake up early and be fighting these bastards. From the start, fight the Empire. Which, fun fact, the original draft uh, was actually fuck the Empire. I like both. But Disney said no. <laughs> well, if you look at it, though, it kind of looks like she is saying that and they just redubbed it. Oh, no, they, the they dubbed it. They just redubbed it. She clearly says fuck the Empire, but they just redubbed it instead of having her re-record. <laughs> I really liked this quote, like, a lot. Like, I love this speech. There's so many sections that are just so good. We could psychoanalyze this speech. We could spend a whole podcast on it, honestly. Seriously. I really like the whole, I'm dead and I yearn to lift you, not because I want to shine or even be remembered. It's because I want you to go on. That is so refreshing because... In, in in real world, right? So many people yep. nowadays are like, I want to be famous. I want to leave something, you know, where I'm remembered. I want, and this is like, I don't give a shit about me and like me being remembered as a famous person, blah, blah, blah. I just want to lift you guys because I want you to remember that you are going to be okay. I just want you to go on. I want to make it easier for the next generation of people and generations after. And I love that. She's in it not for, like, maybe Anto Krieger was in it for fame. I don't know. But she's, like, a true rebel. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think that's when, like, Luthen is like, oh. Oh. Like, it's Cassian Andor is not about Cassian Andor. It's about yep. he's just trying to survive. I mean, I told you. I think it's, I, I, I really do think this is the first time in history a reference from your mom actually gets you the job. You know it, baby. You know it. When she says, uh, you know, like how they were just complacent with the empire, that was that was pretty cool because that's what happens with fascism. At first, if it doesn't affect you, you're just complacent to it and you just let mm-hmm. it happen because it's, you know, whatever. OK, you're paying me. I'm, I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm still getting money. I'm still getting, you know, trading. We're still doing those things. And then that's when they sneak in. She, She's like, hey, it's like rust, which is wild because if you think about Clem's <laughs> little uh, interaction with Cassie and he says, yeah, people don't look beyond the rust. And what's beyond the rust? You have Ferrix and it's being overtaken by the rust of the empire. Honestly, she she's playing to her to the right demographic when she brings up Rust because you know that's something that they're all like, oh Rust, oh, I know that. Ah, uh, fuck. Oh, true, true. The vocabulary that is used. I mean, clearly, she lived on Ferrix when she was young, but she's obviously traveled so much. Yep. But she knows the vocabulary and and what to say to get these people going. Obviously, these people don't like you know the Imperials. We knew that from the start when they're banging on metal. Like, they already had a, like, a meh towards them. This just really, like, she knows what she's doing. And saying that the Empire is a disease that thrives in darkness. Oh, shit. You know? Like, yep. clearly, dark side, duh. But, like, also, <laughs> just, like, that is fascism is a disease that thrives in darkness. Like, just take the empire out and just put fascism. And you're like, oh, shit. And I just think also when she was like, you know, perhaps it's too late. But I'll tell you this. If I could do it again, 
I would like, she's like, I don't give a shit. I'd, I'd get up even earlier than I did. That's my regret. I didn't get up early enough to fight yep. these guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, she, she found her, she found her want to fight so late. Yeah. And like, this is her way of fighting. And I love that, that she's, that she's like, I will use everything that I can. I mean, she even says earlier, I've been sleeping. She, she realizes like, yeah, I, I, I didn't realize it until it was too late. She didn't think anything she could do mattered. And then she realized the, the, the Aldani heist made her realize that she could this whole time. She could have avenged. Yeah. She could have avenged her husband's death. Exactly. Anybody, anything anybody does matters. And also, fuck the Empire. I like that better. You should have kept it. <laughs> and clearly, the last quote, kill me or take me in. I mean, that's... He's just saying, whatever, man. Yep. I'll, do, I'll let you be in charge. All right. So, we've seen the episode. We've discussed the quotes. Now we need to ask our burning questions for the episode. Kevin, what do you got for me? What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you wondering? I guess there's actually more of a... Questions leading into next season, I think, yeah, would be the most appropriate. Yeah. Um, I don't think the <laughs> I don't think it answered any questions about Luthen still. I still want to know who nope. the fuck this guy is. I agree. I just want to know more about this guy. He's so interesting. I mean, he saw everything. He's so observant. Like, I need to know more about his backstory. That's always been my outstanding question. Uh for now, like man, after watching it. I would like to see how everybody escapes and meets up. I want to mm-hmm. know how that how that works. And I'd like to know how this impacts the Empire. So, like, we have in, like, all the other shows, you know, we see kind of similar situations with, like, rebellions starting. Like, everything is, like, a little spark per area that it starts in. I would really like to know just where Ferrix fits into all of it. I'd like yep. to see the reaction of the Empire because they got their shit rocked, quite literally rocked in the face with uh, Marva there. So I, I would like to see what they what they think. I would too. I'm curious to see where Karn, where his journey is going to go from here because I think yeah. he's, he's now proven that he can be trusted to handle dangerous situations. So I assume he's going to become... One of Daedra's subordinates, or maybe even a partner. Yeah, but also, like, could that be dangerous for her because she's like, this guy's a freak? I mean, that would be interesting. I could even see us going forward next season, showing him growing in power and impressing, you know, the Imperial authorities. Maybe even him becoming a rival for her and usurping her. Mm, Only to have the power that he obtains backfire in his face, you know? I just, I think he's too obsessed with her, though. I don't think he'd want to do that. How funny would it be, though, if we see Karn, right? And he he works his way up, he backstabs all this stuff, and they go, congratulations, uh, Commander Karn. You are officially promoted. You are now assigned to Scarif. Oh, my God. <laughs> That would be really or the or funny. the Death Star or something like just somewhere where he's going to die, but we just never see him on screen die. We just know he's dead. That's funny. That's really funny, right? I like his character though. Like I, I, he's grown on you. I mean, I always liked him, but he was also a little. I just want to like smack him. Uh, <laughs> we did have that email, and we will be emailing that person. 
because we wrote our own little thoughts. The email we had was, you know, his redemption kind of thing. Uh, they don't, they think he could be redeemed, but I still don't think he can because the problem here is he grew up in the empire, and I, I, I want to know his reaction. That's another question. I want to know his reaction to this situation because he grew up in the empire. So to him, the empire is the only power. It's he's the only one he's ever known. So I would like to see his reaction to this whole situation because Sarge clearly is like depressed by it. I think he's going to switch sides, but I don't know about Karn. I kind of think Karn has blinders on and I think it's because of his upbringing. So final thoughts on the episode and what's going to happen here soonish in the next season. We see a lot of these single communities in the Star Wars universe. It's customs, just everyday life. And I thought it was really intriguing to be a part of that. Absolutely. The funeral procession, like all that. Mm -hmm. It was so cool to see just everyday life and what people do. And I think that I want more of that. I need more of that. It, It makes Star Wars more immersive. I mean, we got it in Mando. We had it in Boba Fett. They're doing that, and I love it. Oh, man, I love it. The thing I kept telling people when I was trying to sell them on this show is this. The stakes have never been smaller for Star Wars, and that is a boon yeah, to it. Totally. This is not one man fighting, you know, the good. This is not Luke Skywalker. This is <laughs> this is Dak. You know, this is the guy in the back of the ship who gets blown up two seconds into the fight. Like, But it's like, that story still deserves to be told. Exactly. I I think the only thing that I want to say, and this is not a critique on the show, this is more of a critique on the community. Um, I've seen a lot of people, it's so weird, they're saying, like, they're saying things like, I love Andor, and I'm saying yes, and they're going, this show is way better than all that other crap that we've gotten so far. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second, what do you mean by that? People have been comparing this show to Mando and this show to Clone Wars, Rebels, and Book of Boba Fett and are saying that this show is like the ultimate show because it's not Star Wars and those other shows are bad because they have cameos and other uh, connections to Star Wars and all that other stuff. I just want to say right now, you are being very silly. (laughs) You're being you are nice. being silly people. I'm being very nice because normally I would, you know what I would say. I'm being very nice. What what you guys are failing to realize is that both of these things can exist and are good. Cameos are fine. This show didn't need them. If there was a reason to put Darth Vader in this show, they would have done it. Yeah. Hey, maybe we'll get him in the next season. You don't know. Exactly. Rogue One had him in there and that was fine. These characters exist in this universe, so if needed, they can show up and it's fine. It yeah. would be like complaining that Dar- that uh, Captain America met Iron Man in the Avengers movie. You're being ridiculous, all right? You need to stop it. I'm a, I am a, a Dave Filoni and a John Favreau fanboy, I know, whatever, you can call me out on that. But I still think that this is a connected universe, so be okay with people showing up from it. Well, also, you're getting content, and it's yeah, like you're getting good content. Yes. I'm not gonna say the whole like you're getting content, so stop complaining. You're getting good content, so stop yes. complaining. Exactly. 
it's like, listen, these are two separate meals, but you're still in the restaurant. Be happy you're getting a meal. Yeah. We're getting so many really great callbacks to everything that people say and experience yep. in all of Star Wars in this show, too. I mean, even the line when he, the, remember the line, you know, the power doesn't panic. Yeah. Well, these guys had no power and they wanted a bloodbath and that's what they got. They were never in control, though. Their ambition and lack of care for others ruined their chances to find Cassian as well as take yep. control of Ferrix. And we've seen that a lot of times in Star Wars. Actually, I can give you a great example right now. Um, everyone was making fun of, I think even we poked fun at it when he snuck Leia out under his cloak, yeah. right? Uh, in in uh, the Inquisitor Castle. But like watching Andor, I now fully believe that the Imperials would be that fucking dumb. <laughs> Well, they think they're so much better than everybody, and this show proved it. They're not looking for, in that scenario, they're not looking for an Imperial officer smuggling someone out. They're looking for a dirty terrorist, mm -hmm. like wearing nasty clothes and messed up hair running through a facility. This gives context to the other shows in a fantastic way, and I think it makes those shows better. I think this show existing makes the current shows better, and I cannot wait for Ahsoka to show up in season two and watch the entire internet melt because they're so mad that <laughs> Jon Favreau has now ruined their Star Wars, which is so funny to me <gasps> that people have turned on him and Dave Filoni over the course of, like, one or two. Like, the course of this show has made them, like, hate him for what hate them for whatever reason, and I think it's funny. I just think that this specific episode was a great ending and a nice little bow on the gift that is Andor season one. Absolutely. It's perfect. Cannot wait for season two. I barely have any notes. I really have like no notes for this whole show. It was just so well executed. I have a note. Uh, they're making me wait for another season. <laughs> yeah. Well, I need more <laughs> of this show. That's all I'm going to say. And, and, you know, honestly, I wish there were more episodes for season one. I think that's the thing. You yeah. know what? I felt like it was rushed. I really didn't. But I'm saying that I felt like it was rushed just so I could get more episodes. I want more <laughs> episodes, guys. That's all I want. I want I want give it to me now. And with that, folks, we really hope you enjoyed this episode and this series, our special coverage of Andor. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us grow the show. And please be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. And I'd also like to say thank you for listening. This has been really fun. I have had a blast doing this with you, Jaden, and I am really excited for next year. So stick around, everybody. We're not done here. <laughs>